0: What really gets my dick hard is...
1: Welcome to Middle Eastern Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode 34. We are talking about the most current and now most long-standing bass player, Robert Trujillo. Oh,
0: sweet Robert Trujillo. Oh, Roberto. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is his birth name, by the way, Roberto. Oh, Roberto, how I think of thee. <laughs> I think of thee often. I think of thee crab walk.
0: It's, it's a good day to talk about Robert because just being on the hardwired train and when we did the Death Magnetic episode, kind of like waking up to that record in a big yeah. way and reading a lot about him this week, I mean, I love that dude,
1: oh yeah, totally, I mean, like all crab walks aside, i mean robert is a is a force in that band, I mean he's you know arguably on on a musical level maybe like the most skilled musician in the band,
0: yeah i agree. you know
1: um and yeah i mean he's just a monster bass player and he's done a lot of stuff which which you know we'll get into that uh, throughout the episode and stuff like that you know discography things he's done with other other bands and stuff but uh i mean yeah i mean even just seeing uh, him in detroit just slay anesthesia i mean yeah it's a good time it. good time to be uh, putting out a robert episode
0: i think so too and i, I i'm I, i'm just consistently like on the jason train if you guys have heard our new set episode you kind of know where we stand on that but I can honestly say I'm glad that he is in Metallica.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. Hey, it it could have been Twiggy.
0: And I love Jordy White. I I love that dude. When I saw Perfect Circle on the 13th Step Tour, that's when he was in the band. Yeah. I mean, and the Manson stuff he did, a lot of people don't know, but he wrote a lot of that classic Manson stuff. That's awesome. He's a really great songwriter. Like All the good stuff on Antichrist Superstar and the really good stuff on um, Mechanical Animals, he wrote that stuff.
1: That's that's rad. I mean, it maybe it's cuz you know we have we've had longevity now with Robert having been in the band for so long, but it just it just seems weird to imagine someone like that or, or any of the other guys that auditioned being the bass player of Metallica for the last 13 years.
0: And what really kind of and we're we're like jumping ahead here, but what really like shoots to the forefront for me beyond the technical ability and his experience and all that is just his vibe. His vibe is so good for Metallica
1: it is it, especially especially, especially
0: I, post post rehab you know
1: yep that's what i was going to bring up is especially with hetfield i mean he 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 puts out the positive vibes man
0: well and and i have a really cool quote from about that too so before we get into that we're going to do the housekeeping stuff uh i had a guy on reddit this week say that we spend too much uh on the email portion really to which uh. to which i kind of just have to say uh, fuck you!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't get all M shadows on him, jeez.
0: <laughs> well, I just thought like you know you can skip it, you know. Like it's easy to skip. Yeah, that. it's just exactly. hard. It's hard. The show is growing. Like it really is growing. We've had our best like first week of everything. Yeah, and part of part of just what comes with that is you reach more people. Is that you you also reach people who who want to who want to jump in and, and be critical. That's all fine. It's cool. And that's Whatever. totally fine. You,
1: you, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but you know, we've, you know, we've got a good thing going. We've been, we're at seven months strong now. I think we're on a good path. And uh, I think the majority of the people listen to it, enjoy it. And we'll continue with what we do. And uh, maybe, uh, maybe if, if I'm feeling, uh, feeling lucky, I'll read a, a pretty negative comment we got on Facebook. <laughs> like, yeah, We, should, as,
0: we actually, sh- we actually should read that. Cause that's amazing.
1: I, like re- I, I kind of like reading negative stuff. We don't get it that often because we're fucking great, but uh, we do get it from time to time. Yeah, I think it bothers me more than you. Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just, I don't know, I've been in enough bands over the years that got negative shit and I just don't care. I, I, I kind of laugh, laugh at it.
0: Well, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, who cares? <laughs> yeah. You just, I don't know, we spend so much time trying to make it and then there's like these fucking guys, well, it's not, it's they, the emails are too long, they're not funny, <laughs> or whatever it is. It's like, we'll go.
1: Yeah, uh, here's it. Here's all these people, exactly. And and here's the thing uh, to all the listeners out there if there's a portion of any episode you're not into, whether it be the emails, the facts, whatever, especially if you're on an iPhone, there's a little button there that says it has a 15 next to it, it skips ahead 15 seconds. Just keep it's clicking really that. It's
0: really easy to do. Yeah, it's I so it. easy. I do it for every Mark Marin interview because I. I don't like his first 15 minutes of talking, but I yeah. love his interviews.
1: Yeah, same. I, I do it with Chris Hardwick's a lot. His, his intros are quite long sometimes and I just skip ahead to when the actual interview starts. So there you go. And, you guys and, you guys know how to also, skip ahead. Yeah,
0: and like yeah, and if you and if you need to get off the ride for a bit, that's okay too, but you don't need to let us goddamn know every time you want to get off the ride for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to do the housekeeping stuff and and here's the deal about the emails is we wouldn't have we wouldn't have a show if people weren't listening and writing in so we're exactly. not gonna we're definitely not gonna stop uh engaging with the emails so um right. I, I did want to do a little bit of a news portion uh, just because there's some cool stuff coming up Jason Newstead recently did a uh you know this factor fiction Wikipedia things did you see that this
1: week yeah on on uh, loudwire
0: it's really cool every time I see Jason talk about Metallica or his art or whatever he's up to. This reminds me what a cool dude he is.
1: Oh yeah, he's still super cool.
0: He's an intense dude, but but man, I love I love hearing what he has to say about stuff. Absolutely. And he's always got Metallica's back, which I've always really admired about him. Oh, me too. So he did this factor fiction, it's on Wikipedia, it's where like they it's a loudwire thing I think where they they read his Wikipedia page and say did this happen, did this not happen he and it kind of yeah. <laughs> gives him an opportunity to set some stuff straight. Like when he auditioned for Metallica, he kind of goes through the details of his audition which I yeah. haven't seen him do before. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Oh, those, the, are, really, uh, those are really fun just to, 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 you know, some stuff on Wikipedia. It's all user-based, so people can put whatever the hell they want in there. Right, right. You know, so it's cool to see him set the record straight on things.
0: Yeah. Uh, Metallica is going to be on the next season of Carpool Karaoke, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, the James Corden show, which that, that, that guy can get a little annoying. Um, yeah. I, but, you know, the Carpool Karaoke thing I think is kind of fun, you know. It's, it is fun.
0: It is super I think funny. I think
1: it I think it kind of like it, it brings down the guard of people and and kind of makes them vulnerable and they're just in a car singing along with this goofy dude driving, and you know I think it it it, it shows especially bands like Metallica it shows that they're just you know they don't have to take themselves too serious and they can have some fun with this stuff.
0: Well, and I think the guys, especially James, I think they're pretty funny.
1: Well, did you see when they were when they were promoting Hardwire? They did that thing where they went. I think was it on Kimmel, maybe? Where they went into like a grocery store with like a boombox singing Inner Sandman to customers.
0: Uh, was that? I saw that, and then they did the Fallon thing where they played Inner Sandman on like non-instruments,
1: on kids' instruments,
0: or kids' instruments. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. Like, I, that that stuff's fun. You know, who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's good cool. time. It's they not are, metal, bro.
0: <laughs> it's not death, blackened, uh, vertigo. You doth have. Yeah,
1: you know what? Guess what? Slayer just played Fallon the other day. So
0: Slayer did a pretty funny thing where they, Tom Araya did the uh, like kids ask rock stars questions.
1: Oh, that's a great! That, that's a really it's cool. So good. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a there's an interview with Hetfield. I think we we mentioned yeah. it before where he yeah. uh, this kid talks to him. They're great.
0: Uh, so go check all that stuff out. Oh, also, Robert was on a uh, the Rock Talk with Mitch left laughing Lef- Lafon Laffin- podcast. It's pretty brief. It's when he was in Montreal. They kinda of sit down for about fifteen minutes. But yeah. I, I love I love Robin interviews too. I love his vibe in interviews. For sure. Um uh, so go check that out. They got two more weeks left on this North American tour. Phoenix, San Diego, Seattle, Vancouver, and Edmonton before they take a break. And then they go do their makeup show in Copenhagen and then they start their European
1: tour. So Man, that flew by, didn't it?
0: God, it did, dude. It really did.
1: Man, we got to see two shows on the tour. I know there's people out there that have written in and people that we met in, in Detroit that talked about how many shows they've been to, and which is amazing. But I've, I feel stoked that I even got to see two of those. I, I do,
0: too. Well, those people are descended their own class of fan.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm And I'm very envious. I happily refer
0: to them as insane. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about our socials briefly of
1: course I do we're on Instagram Twitter Facebook and that is just Metal Up Your Podcast search for us on there you can find us uh, you can email us the easiest way to get a hold of us at MetalUpYourPodcastShow at gmail.com and if you want to th- uh, support the show financially you can go to Patreon.com that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N Patreon.com slash MetalUpYourPodcast you can support the show financially there's cool perks that we're doing uh, depending on how much you donate for instance uh, we're in the process of uh, um, Arranging and recording uh, an EP of cover songs that you can get if you donate.
0: Yeah, it's cool, and and uh, w- even one of the perks on our Patreon is you get to if you pledge at a certain tier, you get to even decide what songs we do. So yeah, exactly.
1: And those and 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 I, I think the ones that uh, I mean, all this stuff is very Patreon specific and exclusive to those people. Especially if you if you get to that tier where you want us, you choose a song for us. You're going to be the only one that gets that thing first.
0: Right. Yep. So it's very it's exclusive. All, it's all very cool ways for you to to help grow the show. And uh, we actually got some new patrons this week. Uh, so we want to say thank you to them. One is John Houtis, which is our friend Zoutis. Zoutis. We got Christopher Yurgis, Vinny Moroni, which Vinnie is an original gangster Metal Up Your Podcast fan from yeah man from some of the first episodes so i'm glad he's on board Heck and then yeah. we had a we had another guy this week who for whatever reason did not want to do the patreon thing but he wanted to give back to the show so i wanted to say thanks to chad pollock for the very generous donation and the kind yeah words. thank you very much chad nice email yeah if you do want if you do want to do that we have just a paypal address and all the funds that we get are going 100 back into the show
1: our pockets well sorry what oh whoopsie Oops.
0: <laughs> Into my wife's new Trans Am.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm saving up for that Lamborghini Countach.
0: Do they even make Trans Ams anymore?
1: I don't know. I hope so.
0: I doubt it. Or did Warrant use all of them for all of their music videos in the I 80s. think all of them got
1: used up <laughs> in all those videos in the 80s.
0: So so thanks to our new patrons. We're getting new ones every week, man. It's really cool. Yeah, it's
1: pretty cool. We we, we can't thank you guys enough. It really, uh, you know, if you've received patches, koozies, picks, or you were at the Detroit show and saw all that stuff, I mean your donations go to that stuff directly um and to help keep this thing afloat and we really appreciate it
0: all right and at the risk of butt hurting some insufferable Uh, let's get to some boring
1: emails First email is from Joe B. Hey, guys, check out this cool factor fix on Jason Newstead. We just mentioned that. Great stuff. Also, thank you very much for the koozie and sticker. I was so excited when it came in. Love the Justice for All episode. That's my number one all-time favorite Metallica album. Enjoy the video and keep up with the good work. Thank you, Joe. Uh, man, the Justice episode got some serious love in the Met- uh, Metal Podcast world.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. That was really, we got a lot of good feedback. You are going to hear it a lot in these emails. For, oh, and speaking of accusers and the stickers, so for those of you left over from the pit contest, I am going to be sending out stuff. It's just a little later. It's going to come a little later. I am getting on a plane in a few hours to go to Denver. It's just been a crazy week for both of us. So yeah, we're we're going to get to all that. If you guys just be patient with us. Thanks for the email, Joe. James Hinkey writes, "Good day, gentlemen." Oh, he says uh, in Turner Duckworth's voice.
1: Good, good day, day, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> long time listener first time emailer i've been an avid listener since march and absolutely love the show it's awesome to hear professional musicians break down my favorite band and their music as it's helped me as it's helped to open my eyes to new things that i hadn't heard or realized in my roughly and then he writes a long number million times listening to them i really enjoyed your ask me anything episode as well as well as the live show in detroit but the justice episode may have been your best yet while Justice is only my fourth favorite album, it's still a classic and will always be fun to listen to. I have a few quick comments to share about Justice and your show. It says, number one, the mental image of Hetfield sitting and watching CNN for lyric ideas is great. I wonder what kind of lyrics he would come up with if Trump had been president in 1988.
1: I think he still would have written Blackened.
0: I, I do t- well, James. <laughs> well, Justice is their most political record,
1: right? Or would it have been called orange Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the comedy horn.
0: Oh man, that is pretty good. I, I don't. I think James has done a good job throughout his whole career. Of even when he was being political, it's very broad. It's not specific, and uh, it's
1: very broad and it's very smart too.
0: And and I think in that way, it's it, it ages well. Agreed. So I so I wonder if it even would have been very different. It probably wouldn't have been.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, that would have been you know that would in the Reagan years. Right. Right.
0: Uh, he goes. He says another point. I never realized that James copied the line from Freydens into "Through the Never," and now I can't unhear it. Well, I apologize for that.
1: Hey, that's all right. It's it's, it's a new fact you didn't know.
0: Uh, he says, "I think they quit playing 'I of the Beholder' live because James couldn't keep the lyrics straight." There's a video of a show in Connecticut where, partway through the song, he sings, "I fucked up the words," where he was supposed to sing "Lengthen
1: Freedom's Ring."
0: I don't know. He's got teleprompters, so yeah, that that's might the thing. a, that might a, 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 a lot the of reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, maybe it's just one of those things, it's such a deep cut of a record, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they can only insert so many deep cuts per show, Um, and, you know, I think, you know, a a lyric mess-up, I mean, that that happens, you know, to the best of them, and and bands of that size usually have teleprompters around the stage just because their catalog is so deep that, you know, sometimes it's like, in the heat of the moment, you might forget something, you know, there's a lot of words in Metallica songs, too.
0: Someone someone posted a... um like from the vantage point of the snake pit a picture and you could see james's teleprompter for the song one and yeah. what i thought was really interesting about it is he just has prompts so it was like back in the womb
1: oh just like uh, the first line of each verse yeah, or something
0: it, well not even the first line just it would say like back in the womb in punch oh, wow. life uh fed through the tube like just he just, just had like little
1: re- little reminders
0: yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah it's awesome uh, James goes on to, so we asked people to write in to sort of rank their uh, justice from one to nine, their favorites, and he did that. Number one, Freightons of Sanity. Number two, Harvester Sorrow. Three, one, four, Blacken. Five, Justice for All. Six, eye of the Beholder. Seven, Dire's Eve. Eight, To Live is to Die. Nine, Short sure as Straw. To Live us to Die was at the bottom of most people's lists.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I mean, it, I understand. It, it it it's instrumental. Out. I get
0: it. I get it. Yeah,
1: that's fine. Hey, He's, it's your list. He said,
0: <laughs> but I want his list to... Co- to coincide with my feelings
1: dude dude that guy's list is bullshit man he's wrong objectively wrong
0: these guys are not funny
1: <laughs> uh
0: anyway he says anyway that's my two cents i apologize for the link i had no intention of trying to rival some meme thanks for reading and i look forward to hearing what the next episode doth bring james h and he says p.s there actually is a westfield new jersey and weather.com always tries to send me there instead of indiana so clearly, they're just following your lead. Well, the Weather Channel
1: are big fans of the show. They're huge fans of the show. They try to redirect everyone's weather to New Jersey.
0: Yeah, and I think they are. I think they're doing it.
1: Now, here's here's my question. James H. from Westfield. Would that be Uh-oh. James
0: Hetfield? Are we got Papa Het in the house?
1: Hey, well, Hetfield, thanks for writing in. We uh, I love your list of your favorite Justice songs. And uh, yeah, I like the third-person email. Really creative.
0: Yeah, and he thinks he's being sly, but we know it's you, buddy.
1: Yeah, we know it's James, yeah. So thanks James, um,
0: H- thanks, James Hetfield.
1: Yeah, thank you, James Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next email is from Brian. He says, if you ever do an episode about, a good, about good live shows, check out Metallica at Woodstock99 on YouTube. Hetfield's voice slash attitude is at its finest. Jason brings a live energy uh, that's a little lacking nowadays, and the set list is a great mix of their catalog up to that point. Their set exemplifies what they why they are the biggest band in the world. That's from Brian. Um, I have actually. I have watched that uh, numerous times throughout the years. Um for those that don't know they brought back Woodstock in the late 90s and did um did it at the original location and it's like th- there's very famous performances there like Limp Bizkit where Fred Durst was like uh they were basically Inside like a riot yeah like destroying shit lighting things on fire he was like surfing on a piece of wood there's a, in, the infamous Green Day mud, mud fight one um stuff like that but uh
0: And the, didn't I, didn't, the bun- didn't people burn a bunch of shit during the Chili Peppers set? I th-
1: I think so that might have been the Limp Bizkit one t- a lot of things were burning but either way there's a lot of memorable performances from woodstock 99 uh and metallica's being one of them it it really is great that i would encourage anybody to go watch that
0: yeah the late 90s metallica in my i mean i was just chatting with an old friend of mine that went to my first show on the summer sanitarium tour in 2000 and we were kind of reminiscing about just how powerful they were at that time
1: oh yeah
0: i agree thanks brian Heath Robinson writes, Hey dudes, enjoyed the justice show. The album got me into Metallica and it's still my favorite by them. It was early 89. I was 12 and my parents had finally sprung to get the better cable package with MTV. I yep. was drowning in a sea of hair metal and didn't know it. <laughs> drowning in a sea of hair metal. He needed that Metallica lifeboat to come
1: in. I think when you drown in a sea of hair metal, you're basically in a pool of Aquanet hairspray. Oh my God.
0: He said, I'd always watch that metal show. Hard 30, which I don't remember that. Hard 30, do you remember that?
1: Hard 30, um, was I, I someone email in and, cor- and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like that was the, the precursor to, um, Headbangers Ball, maybe. Okay. Was it like, I, 30, I could, I could here- be wrong words like every what's
0: episode like here are 30 songs or something like what's the 30 I think
1: so I th- I I don't know man let's I'll do some research on that one or maybe
0: I, a, maybe it's a play on like oh it's beer 30 oh it's hard 30 heavy hard metal 30. 30
1: so maybe it was like a half hour of, of metal metal uh, videos or something So he
0: says he's watching hard 30 after school when he gets off the bus he says the video this video comes on by a band i'd seen some t-shirts for in Hit Parader, but hadn't heard yet i had a hard time figuring out how to pronounce their name <laughs> he said he thought it was pronounced Metal Licka. As soon as as soon as the song came on, I knew it was going to be something different. It was slow, but by no means a power ballad. There were no guys in makeup and spandex, no lyrics about wanting nothing but a good time, no scantily clad chicks dancing on car hoods. Okay, I'll admit the twelve year old me was a little bummed about that one. (laughs) Dude, the thirty three year old me is bummed about that. Uh, Uh, The thirty eight
1: year old me is bummed.
0: This was just four guys who looked like they got parole and just wanted to plug in and play against the backdrop of this was some obscure horror movie starring Jason Roberts of all people 8 minutes later all caps everything changed for me it's cool it's so cool how like one song can really change everything i mean he's your-
1: ca- he's he's almost telling my story too this he is says, exactly how it happened for me. me he
0: said i was scared out of my mind from what i'd seen and absolutely blown away by what i'd heard Adam Curry comes on after and says, "That's Metallica with one." I called one of my friends from school, and he answered the phone with, "How did that drummer do that?" <laughs> I'm guessing referring to the machine gun uh, double kick at the end.
1: Well, it's a, it's also a music video, and you're basically lip-syncing into it, so that's how he did that. But I get it. The, the
0: next question. day at school, kids who had poison and great white shirts before were wearing Metallica shirts the next day. It happened that fast. Looking back on it now, it was the closest thing to the Beatles on Ed Sullivan show as I'd ever get. Most folks credit Nirvana with killing hair metal. I don't disagree. But Metallica left Hair Metal bludgeoned and lifeless on the ground, blind, deaf, unable to use its arms and legs, much like Johnny was. Yes, he says. Yes, Nirvana killed Hair, hair Metal, but after what Metallica did to it two years earlier, Kurt just pulled the plug, and he didn't even need Jason Roberts. Have a great day and <laughs> Godspeed, dude,
1: Heath. What a great email. What a great story.
0: I like I like hearing about how like how kind of Zeitgeist changing that was because. I you got to kind of experience that. I was a few years late. I will yeah. say, and I think you and I have talked about this on your, um, your other podcast, pirate satellite. My opinion about the true, the true assassin of, uh, hair metal is that it was guns and roses, appetite for destruction.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like, I like Heath's point in that, you know, uh, that Kurt pulled the plug, right. um, because there, I think there were albums like appetite for destruction and justice for all, um, and you could even maybe throw the black album in there. Um a lot of that glam rock stuff was dying out, but there was a lot of leftover stuff kind of trickling into the nineties. And right. uh <clears throat> but he's right. I mean Metallica kinda kicked the shit out of it, you know, as did Appetite for Destruction. And then Here Comes Nirvana that kinda put the nail in the coffin.
0: Right. Like it was just like a big stew being cooked for five years.
1: Yep, exactly. But you
0: know that but that genre of music was destined to to flame out anyway. it's And, you know, honestly, Grunge did the same fucking thing. Grunge f- totally, totally flamed out.
1: It, it did flame out. I, w- I will go on record to say that Grunge definitely has the longevity over yeah. Glam Rock, obviously, production wise, all that stuff. I mean, it, it, to... it,
0: it ages better. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. You, li- you can listen to Soundgarden Super Unknown now, and it still sure. sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a great Sabbath record, or it sounds, oh, it yeah. sounds like a great marriage between Sabbath and the Beatles. Some of those early Pearl Jam records definitely are less stupid than Poison
1: and all that stupid shit. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh,
0: thanks, Heath. That was great. Good email. Yeah,
1: thanks, man. Our next email from Neil Hanson. This one is uh, pretty simple. He says, uh, great episode as usual, guys. And he just gives us his top nine from Justice. Number one, Eye of the Beholder. Interesting. Number two, Shortest Straw. Number three, Injustice for All. Number four, Blackened. Number five, To Live is to Die. Number six, Fray and Ends of Sanity. Number seven, Dyer's Eve. Number eight, one. Number nine, Harvester of Sorrow. Got I'm one at the supp- end of that list. Yeah, and I'm surprised Dyer's Eve is way down there. But uh, dude, that's such a stupid list. Uh.
0: They're talking about emails too much.
1: Uh, you guys are at like 20 minutes. This is so dumb. I can't bring myself to skip ahead on my iPhone.
0: Well, and it's as if we're not talking about, like, the emails, we're talking about Metallica, dumbass.
1: Dude, I've, I've literally been, the whole time we've been reading these emails, I've been thinking to myself, man, why are people upset about this? Because we're talking, we're still talking about your favorite band <laughs> and our favorite band.
0: Well, I, I would posit that part of the reason is that they have a small pee-pee. <laughs> uh, Danny Derryberry writes, you want heavy? Metallica gives you heavy. And Justice for All is the weight for me. The structure, the technique, the time digs, the anger. Metallica would not be denied with this album. I like this dude's flavor.
1: Oh, I like it already.
0: He says, to all my people who thought when Rust in Peace dropped that Metallica would never top it, they already had and would again, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I'll never name a favorite album and you can't make me. This one has probably been played most in my car. Take that for what you will. Well, I
1: think that's your favorite album, Danny. I think think it is.
0: He writes, killer (laughs) album, killer episode. Thanks for covering it. Cheers. Man, thanks, Danny.
1: Thank you, Danny. And by the way, uh, just to skip back real quick, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but that last uh, top nine of Justice was from Neil Hansen.
0: Thanks, Don't Neil. You will, not, you will not be forgotten, Neil. Neil, That's right. I refuse to let you be forgotten on episode 34 of Metal Up Your Podcast.
1: <laughs> Don't let me go, Neil.
0: Neil! <laughs> Neil! <laughs>
1: um, our right. next one is from John Houtas. 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 Um, hey guys, uh, I never knew that the intro to Blacken was reversed, um, I just thought that they used some kind of effect to get that eerie sound from the guitar, so I went to YouTube right after and checked it out, and wow, the forward version is also badass. I was blown away. You learn something new every day. Um, I don't know if, John, if you noticed, but in the episode I actually inserted it in the episode of the forward version, so you didn't have to go to YouTube, my friend. I was trying to save y'all some time, um, and he goes on to say, uh, I like all the songs on Justice almost equally, but but here's my list of my favorite to least favorite. Number one, Blackened, of course, he says. Yeah. Number yeah, two, Dire's Eve. Oh, I agree too. Number two, Dire's Eve. Number three, To Live is to Die. There you go. Wow. There, three. there we go. Number four, Injustice for All. Number five, one. Number six, Harvester of Sorrow. Number seven, Short of Straw. Number eight, Freight Ends of Sanity. And number nine, Eye of the Beholder.
0: If you switch Eye of the Beholder and Freight Ends, that's probably my list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I probably should have made this list before this episode, but we'll do it. We'll do it again. All right. Uh, he, he finishes his email by saying, Ethan, I caught you on Alpha Metallica afterwards. Very nice. Nice. Uh, thanks, Zautas. Uh, and if you guys didn't hear or follow us on social media, um, Clint and I were both on uh, back-to-back episodes of Alpha Metallica by our friend Tom Kui, who does uh, all the Metallica songs in alphabetical order. So we got to be special guests. Tom, um, Tom had Clint on talking about Better Than You, and I was on there talking about end.
0: Yeah, thanks again, Tom. That was really fun. And so much fun. For those of you who like Tom's flavor, and I don't see why you wouldn't, uh, we're going to have him on the show at some point in the future to talk about something we don't even know yet. But It's probably going to be Metallica. Uh, well, I think we might mix it up and talk about uh, Yanni or, or uh, yeah. Appalachian, Oriental Appalachian instrumental flute music. I don't know. Or or Metallica.
1: Cool. Okay. If you talk about any of those other things, I'm going to sit <laughs> that one out. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Okay. Uh, speaking of sitting it out, should we, should you talk about the Facebook message you
1: got about uh, me? About me? <laughs> I, I, sh- I should pull this up real quick because it is truly incredible. Um, and, I'll stop, here-
0: and, I, and and by the way, I'll stop being sour, like in about 45 seconds, I promise.
1: <laughs> uh, well, wait t- wait till I read this. I know you've seen it, but it's going to, I'm going to reiterate it in your mind right now. So there, there's a user on Facebook, that, uh, and Clint's on Facebook, so I, I'm the one that only sees these things. So this morning I texted him a screenshot of this uh, comment about our injustice for all episode. Um, this guy goes on, his, he, he, he writes us and says, Clint's got to go, man. He's fucking annoying as shit. I don't know how you put up with him, and I can't stand him. And fuck you guys, St. Anger is brutal as fuck, and it's an amazing album. And then he finished He finished that comment, commented again, and said, and Kiss sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, you know what? I like this dude. You know, I, I, I back going him.
0: For the, he's going for the jugular. Well, he sounds he really is. He sounds very reasonable, very intelligent, and very nice. It sounds very chill.
1: You know what? I, I, I appreciate his honesty, and I'll just say one thing: if this, if this uh, comment is a joke, good job. I assume it's not a joke. And f- number one, my friend Clint is not going anywhere, man. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um and i will also say that uh saint anger is not brutal as fuck and it is not an amazing album and that's just I mean, my opinion but here's the beauty of, of this band we love you can like br- saint anger
0: it's brutal as fuck but maybe we mean we're coming from different angles on that
1: yeah different definition of brutal it's it like hurts my head to listen to it makes my head feel a little brutal so yeah that's a, that was our fun facebook message but the dude i think he likes like i scrolled through notifications and he liked about every photo I've ever posted on Facebook, so I think he's down. He just wants it down. to be just me. <laughs> I think he's down with you. Now it'll be uh, welcome. Middle of your podcast with just Ethan Luck. Clint's well, been fired.
0: I accept and the criticism that I'm annoying and
1: that kiss sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like. I like. Like I said. Like I said at the top of the show. This effect You know. You said it, it affects you a little more, but I. I find that stuff funny. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. They can say that Clint needs to go or your podcast sucks or St. Anger rules, whatever. That's fine. We're still going to be us and do what we do and have some fun.
0: Yeah, it's our fucking show. And you know what? Go make a show. I'll be listening every time you put out an episode. I can't wait for it, actually. And we'll see how fucking easy it is for you, you dickhead. (laughs) You fuckhead. You motherfucker. Like, Clint,
1: you said you weren't gonna lose your cool for more than forty five seconds. I gave seconds. myself
0: a forty five second window of vitriol. Let me please let me last call for vitriol, referencing okay. my friend John Davis's record. Uh we're trying to make something, motherfuckers. And it's like I it's like go make something. You can't. You don't know how to make anything. It's like any critic of anything, they're critics because they can't do it. Oh. Well, All right. And you know what? And with that, I'm gonna flip the old switch on the attitude. Because I also know what this is gonna do. They're getting a rise out of me, and then they're gonna they're gonna open the fucking floodgates. Oh, uh, so. that's true.
1: Well, maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll with, withhold future uh, future <laughs> negative comments from you on Facebook. Although I don't have that in my in my in my heart. The second I I actually saw that at four o'clock in the morning when I got to my hotel where I'm am in uh, Syracuse today. And I was just like falling asleep, scrolling. And I was like, oh my God, I want to text this to Clint right now, but he's sleeping.
0: Well, it's all cool. And and like, <laughs> aside from my tangent here, I understand and recognize and respect the fact that when you make something, you you are opening yourself to be criticized. And Of course, some, always. And, it, and in some very small ways, I appreciate it because that stuff, I really do, I believe, makes the show better. So moving on, uh, our friend Vincent Maroney... Who is a longtime friend of the show, now a new patron? So I want to say thanks again to Vinny.
1: Thank you, Vince. He says, "What's up, brothers?" Which I'm assuming is can I can I intro that? Yeah, yeah, go for it. What's up, brothers? (laughs) He says,
0: "I'm so stoked to be riding this runaway train that is metal up your podcast." I'm proud to say that Monday mornings at the office are not complete without listening to the latest episodes. It's hard to believe that after 20 plus years of being a hardcore, diehard Metallica fan, that I've never found a group of people. Who share my love and affinity for the greatest heavy band of all time. But you dudes, along with Dave Mustaine, Torben, Hulk Hogan, Paul Paul, Turner Duckworth, Becky, etc. <laughs> make me feel like I get to talk Metallica with close friends on a weekly basis. And considering that I obsess over pretty much every topic you guys cover, that's a beautiful thing. And he says, <laughs> he says, Let's jump into the next sub to the subject at hand, which I absolutely abs- uh abs- what am I trying to say? I accidentally instead of said jump in, I said junk in on the last episode. Uh- Let's jump into the subject, shall we? He says this is his justice top nine. Number one, Black and dare I say, as iconic as the reverse intro is, the non backwards intro may beat it out. Monster song and my favorite of the encore slot. The dudes are swapping out on this tour. I agree with that.
1: That the the the, uh, the forward intro is is pretty rad sounding, pretty epic sounding. If you guys again, if you haven't listened to the last episode or heard it, do it.
0: I'd love to talk to Fleming about sort of whose idea that was. If it was like a happy accident or yeah, maybe so. Uh, he says, number two is one. Shout out to my son and mini metal warrior who powered illness to endure his first GA metal experience in Philly. Brian, as he tasked himself with learning all of Kirk's parts for the song at the tender age of 11, he's a shredder in the making. Very impressive. Wow.
1: Wow. That's amazing.
0: Number three, Harvester of Sorrow. He says, I agree. When Talika gives us heavy, they should be giving us a hearty helping of the Harvesters of Sorrows with multiple <laughs> S's. So he's with you on that. He thinks
1: that that could maybe replace Sad, true. Yeah, that's we, yeah, we talked about that in the last episode. That's my opinion, too.
0: Four, Justice. Five, Straw. Six, Dire's Eve. Seven, To Live Is To Die. His third favorite instrumental behind Orion and Cthulhu. Eight, freight of Sanity. He said, how is this song number eight on any list? I guess Justice is that good. H- Amen. Here, here. Amen, yeah. Number nine, Eye of the Beholder. Not to be confused with Metclum 4 member, Eye of the Beer Holder. <laughs>
1: that is a great screen name.
0: He says, thanks for making my life literally like a thousand times better. Totally, Vinny. And he also... <laughs> He also says, hello to my bud and fellow New Jersey, New Jersey and Melody and Jay, as if she doesn't get enough shout outs on the show. I don't think Melody can get
1: enough shout outs on the show. I know. She's like one of the OGs of the show. She's an OG, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, Th- thanks, well, Vinny. We're so yeah, grateful Yeah, Vinny, thank you, you so much, man. And keep that kid playing guitar, man. It sounds like he's already on his way to uh, great things.
0: And Vinny also plays, too. And he, he told me uh, over on the forums that, He's, he said, I don't want to be braggy here, but he says his right hand. He said he's got a good right hand for these James Hetfield types riffs. Yeah, nice,
1: Vinny. Which okay, I find okay. impressive
0: because I, Ethan's pretty good at that too. I struggle with it. I come from the uh, Neil Young hit hit one note until the world ends uh, school. <laughs> but uh, anyone with a tight right hand, I, I find very impressive as a guitar player.
1: Well, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, that. Man,
0: I, I, I I respect <laughs> you, man.
1: Thanks so much. I love you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Paul? Paul? Clint? Clint? (laughs) Okay. All right, our last email. last email comes from St. Matthew. What's up, dudes? The invitation for a top nine for justice was met uh, with a great struggle for me to rank the songs, probably because some of them I'm not as familiar with than others. However, begrudgingly, this is my final ranking favorite to least. That's crazy that you're not familiar with some of these songs, or not as familiar. Uh, But here's his list. St. Matthew's list is, number one, Dire's Eve. Solid start. Number two, to live is to die. Ooh, Man, I take back what I said two. earlier.
0: That's our second list with that
1: up high. Yeah, that's great. Number three, Blacken, Number four, Harvester of Sorrow. Number five, one. Number six, Eye of the Beholder. Number seven, A Justice for All. Number eight, The Freightings of Sanity. Number nine, The Shortest Straw. Number 10, I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac.
0: <laughs> Man, barely, most, barely squeaks in at number 10, huh?
1: Yeah, most people don't know that that was actually a C-side to the record. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a great A-side, brother.
0: That would have been around the time that Hulk was wanting to audition for the band and stuff.
1: Yeah, totally. I think he'd already. uh, He actually hadn't. What's funny is he actually hadn't recorded that song yet. Um, I thought when I first got that CD, Hulk Rules, uh, I thought that um, this is '80s for sure. The production is so '80s and terrible. I look on the back of it; it was like '94.
0: Well, maybe "I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac" is a leftover from the Justice Sessions. It
1: might have been leftover. Yeah, I think so. You're probably right. What if he came into his audition, supposedly, and that's what he wanted to audition? Like, I don't want to play your songs, but check yeah. this out. Let's jam this shit.
0: They're like, what, what do you think? You want to run down puppets or battery?" He's like, <laughs> uh, hold on a second, brother. <laughs> I got some your ears.
1: Anyway, so St. Matthew uh, finishes his email by saying, I hate the fact that I had to push the tile track so far down. Alas, it just happened that way. Hopefully Clint's wife can can tabulate fans collective top nines or maybe someone else could anyways keep up the amazing work boys hey say matthew thank you so much that's a great list um thanks dude yeah and uh hope everyone's been enjoying the uh hulkamaniac shit
0: (laughs) the hulkamaniac shit (laughs) that's what it's our little hulk bit
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh what do you say is it time to give in some robert
0: yeah i would like to talk about i would like to now talk about robert trujillo roberto roberto have you seen that? There's, there's like a Metallica clip where they're all outside of HQ. It's kind of around the St. Anger Tour. And they're like, everyone say your name and what you do. It's like Lars drums, James singing. And when it gets to Robert, he named, because he, he, he has like a super long uh, Hispanic name. Yeah. I couldn't find it online like to read it out, but it's like six names. It's pretty funny the way he does it. You couldn't
1: it. find it. I mean, oh, he, he has like that many. See, like, most of it
0: was like five or six.
1: Yeah, because most mostly what you'll see, uh, anything you look up on him, is uh, Roberto Agustin Trujillo. Right. He had about three more
0: that he put in there.
1: <laughs> I wonder if he was just fucking with the uh, the camera guy. So let's
0: talk about Robert.
1: Uh, yeah, Robert, uh, we, we kind of talked, we got into it at the beginning a little, uh, little prematurely, but... Uh, yeah, good old Robert, man. Southern California native. He's uh, he was born on October twenty third, nineteen sixty four, in San Monica, California. Which
0: that makes he, sense. He's got he's got a very California vibe.
1: He does. He does. Yeah. I mean, probably a you know beach loving surfer, just right. Fucking hitting the waves, bro, and then getting some fish tacos afterwards. Sick. <laughs> fucking sick. Um, I-
0: Taking, like, the 101 to Santa Monica and, like...
1: Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Maybe (laughs) head down to San Diego to fucking Trestles, bro? Shit. Um, (laughs) Any of our Southern California listeners will will know that reference. Um, Save Trestles, bro. Uh, Anyways, Robert is of Mexican and Native American descent. Grew up in Culver City, California. And if you don't know, if you're ever in Southern California, Culver City is home to one of the best Mexican places in the world called Tito's Tacos.
0: Hmm. I like me some that... I like me some of that Tito's vodka from old Austin, Texas.
1: That's good, too. Goes well with Tito's tacos. But anyways, Robert is married. He has two kids. And uh, let's get into some... That's just like the brief you know, description of our, our friend Roberto. But let's get into some facts about Robert.
0: So, obviously, the dude is musically really deep. And it's always interesting to... Same that we did with Lars on our Lars episode. Sort of tracing the thread back to them as children. And really it's their our parents or these adults or older siblings in our lives that that turn us on to cool stuff and yeah he was lucky like we all were uh to have music loving parents He said his mom turned him on to like motown and and that uh and that at a pretty young age is when he discovered jocko
1: yeah and and as most of you guys know by you know the last 13 years of Robert Trujillo is he's a huge Jaco Pastorius fan. I've never personally been a huge fan of that kind of music, that kind of jazz fusion stuff, but he's been obsessed with him forever. And it was a big reason why he started playing bass. And Robert actually went on, you know, at one point it was quoted as saying, hearing Jaco Pistorius was like hearing Eddie Van Halen doing Eruption for the first time. And it, you know, made him think like, what instrument is that even, you know? And
0: that's a pretty, that's a pretty like good uh, description of what that can be like. like it, Cause like for me, it wasn't that, but I do remember hearing eruption and it, it oh, was yeah. like being hit by lightning.
1: For sure. Well, or the it's, first
0: Or the first time like really hearing Hendrix and being like, who is this alien from outer space? Oh, it's just a guitar player. It's like, wow.
1: Yeah, it was doing this in the 1960s or whatever, you know. Right. It's 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 one of those life-changing experiences that he's describing, you know. And and this is when he was like, I mean, teenager or younger, hearing this stuff, you know, and mixed that through everything his mom is teaching about Motown and funk and all this stuff, and he's already at a young age gaining this broad broad spectrum of musical taste.
0: And it's cool too because he, so it's he I want to tie this into something in a second, but he went on to do like what most of us did, kind of joined cover bands with his friends. I definitely did that and played at parties. And he was—that's when he was sort of into the Sabbath and Ozzy Rush, Led Zeppelin. And then he went to jazz school at nineteen because he wanted to eventually become a professional studio musician. But he loved he loved hard rock, and so he he sort of went down that path. Now, what I think is yeah. interesting about it is the idea of um, sounding like your influences. Like everyone, every artist when they're young. They sound like what their heroes sound like because they haven't right. developed their own thing yet. It's just Part of, I mean, Bukowski talks about when he first started writing poetry or prose; it would all it would just all read like Hemingway or Celine, and you have to find your own voice. I think course, it's really yeah. cool because Robert does not sound like Jocko to me, but Jocko is his
1: dude. Exactly. I think. I mean, I think you got to you know you got to give it up for uh, Mrs. Trujillo here for you know for sure expanding expanding the, uh, that that range for him of, of taste because, he yeah, he was obsessed with Jocko and got way into that and I'm sure emulated his stuff like crazy as a teenager. But mix that with what his mom taught him, mix that with Sabbath, mix that with Rush, with Zeppelin, and you've got... And then anything creative he's come up with on his own, developing his own other techniques and styles, and all of a sudden you've got one of the most unique bass players around.
0: Well, and I think we all got lucky because... You know, I know some some real serious jazz cats, and that's once you get into that world, those dudes don't really come out of it very often. Like, no, they it's don't. Such it's such a discipline, and some of them that I know and love and whatever are kind of snobby about it. Like they they think <laughs> they think Black Sabbath is the stupidest shit in the world. Yeah, w- whatever. That's fine. But I'm glad that Robert and probably it was the Motown that kept him grounded in in sort of popular music. Yeah, for sure. But I'm glad he was able because the thing is, he's got some real serious chops, and that's where the jazz education was probably the most helpful. Is yeah, in his, in sure. In his technique and chops, his w- approach to the bass. I'm just glad he had other stuff in his ears at the time.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, like I said, I mean, mix that stuff with, you know, when he's you know, a teenager playing these backyard parties and playing stuff by Ozzy and Sabbath, you know— it's weird as a musician when you're learning really technical stuff and stuff that can be really simple. You know, a lot of Sabbath riffs are very simple, but they're just heavy and and thick and mean. You know, you kind of find that middle ground of all that stuff, and you you know you get a guy like Robert coming out of it, which is is so cool.
0: I remember when I was working in a guitar store right after high school, one of the dudes that I worked with, a really great guitar player, but he was way into like classical music and Broadway stuff. He loved like he loved the bands that are in the pits at like Broadway shows, okay, big, and he loved big band and a very heady cat, right? But sure. also definitely a snob. And when I was 20 years old, I was a snob about my own thing too. But I remember we were working in the guitar store, and I was like, "Man, play me your favorite couple of songs from that genre." And he played me about five songs, and then I played him five of songs, whatever I was listening to, which was probably yeah. Beatles, Ryan Adams. And at the end of it, he's like, "Well, what'd you think?" I said, "Dude." All of that sounded the exact same to me, and he was like, "He was like, that's fair." He's like, "But you need to understand this too. All the music you played sounded exactly the same to me. <laughs> like we were just shouting over a chasm, like from two yeah. different mountaintops. Like I think it's, and and I'm sure he's grown out of it. I know I have definitely grown out of that. That's of like course, a hall, yeah. That's a hallmark of being young, but." What I love about the dudes in Metallica, especially Lars and all, and it seems like Robert too, is just how diverse their they these dudes love music.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, all of them do and they're all vocal about it too. I mean, it's no it's obviously no secret that James is a fan of old country music and right. you know, um I'm sure Kirk likes uh surf music. He's a surfer and, right. and whatever, stuff like that. Um yeah, they've all been vocal about what they've liked and 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 I just, I admire that.
0: I do. Too. Well, cuz they're cuz they are in my heart and in the hearts of millions of fucking people who all listen to our show, of course. They're of course. the greatest metal band of all time and they conti- still continue to set the bar for metal and yet they have love for jazz and fusion and uh all the dudes are going to be on Lars's uh radio show by the way in the next yeah. few weeks. Did you see that? Which is
1: Yeah, I saw that. It's great. I, there was a, a little ex-
0: there was like a little a trailer for Kirk's episode and in it, Lars is even saying this thing. He was like, I don't see genres. I just see good music,
1: you know? Yeah. I think, I, I mean, that. I think as, as a musician and, and, and even just as a listener of music, that's a great perspective to have, you know, don't limit yourself to just, Oh, I only like metal and that's it. You know I mean? Some guys are like that and that's fine. You know? Um, for me, I wasn't raised that way. I was raised on all sorts of music, and I mean, like I'm, you know, one day I'm wearing a Metallica shirt, the other day I'm wearing a Clash shirt, and another day I'm listening to Bob Marley or whatever. Right. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's 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 almost challenging too as a musician to be able to dive into those different genres of music, and you know, Robert's done that really well with all the different bands he's played in too.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you said it's like a great characteristic to have, which I agree with. I think it might even be crucial. Yeah. I think you just have to have an open mind about everything,
1: for sure. Now, if, if, music. if yeah, if there's musicians out there that on, they only want to do jazz the rest of their life, that's amazing, and they're going to be fucking killer at it, and be you know at, at the top of their class all the way to like you know first chair to you know maybe leading a band one day, but. um you know for my you know I don't know my heart is 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 diversity in music and and I'll always be that way
0: yeah I agree well, let's talk about Suicidal Tendencies so he, he his first kind of real gig beyond the cover band playing at a friend's party was Suicidal Tendencies which he was in for what six years 89 to 95
1: yeah yeah and and they were already a band since 1980 um Mike right. Muir started the band the singer um and 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 it's interesting when he joined the band is also around the time I got into that band because this is like post me getting into Metallica. When I got into like junior high is when all of a sudden my metal world opened up because I started meeting all these other dudes at school I'd see in like a Slayer shirt, or a Suicidal shirt, or Exodus shirt, or whatever. And I'm like, what's that band? What's that band? I was just so eager to know about all this stuff. And Suicidal, speaking of Robert's diversity in, in the different styles of music he plays, this band isn't for everybody they're definitely like this specific thing meshing metal thrash funk punk all this stuff together i was Um, gonna
0: say i was gonna say for someone like me who is aware of that band but don't know much about it maybe we can inject like about 30 seconds of maybe their most popular song
1: yeah for sure i'll i'll play that right about now
0: And then, what would you say? Um, what would you say for someone who was going to get a record, like to, one record to check out on Spotify, or to even—I would encourage you all to just go fucking buy it. Um, um, what would that record
1: suicidal, be for Suicidal, I would say. So um, I have some notes here about you know Robert's notable discography, and my my two favorite Suicide Tennessee's records are "Lights Camera Revolution" and the art and "The Art of Rebellion." Those are two different records. Okay, those came out after one another, and Robert's on both of those records, and they're really cool. "The Art of Rebellion." I might have to say is my favorite suicidal record,
0: and it's worthy it's, of note too that it's because of this band that he met the Metallica crew because they opened for Metallica on two legs of the Black Album tour.
1: Yeah, yeah, they did the uh, no, uh, nowhere else to Rome tour and the, and the shit. It's the sheds. Shit, shed, the shed tour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you know, it's so, they're so planning,
0: like, planning that seed
1: exactly. And it's funny when you when you think forward to uh, watching some kind of monster. And when Lars, when they're talking about the different bass players and Lars keeps referring to him as that guy, he's like, that guy had the, you're like, dude, you know each other. (laughs) You've known him for 10 years. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) I hope, I hope 10 years into our friendship, you're not still that guy.
1: I'm like, uh, yeah, I do a Metallica podcast with this guy (laughs) and then I'll give you a million dollars just to keep doing it with me. (laughs)
0: Can we talk a little bit about the uh so a side project from in from Suicidal was Infectious Grooves. Was that yes. a band you also listened to? Uh I
1: got I, I got into their uh their first full length, which was called The Plague The Plague That Makes Your Body Move, It's The Infectious Grooves. Um, this for those that haven't listened to Infectious Grooves, Robert was also in this band with Mike Muir from Suicidal. And uh it was a side project, but they did like six or seven records, and Robert's on all of them. Uh-huh. Um and it's it's definitely a pretty niche thing. Like uh, it's it, it. I think it leans a little more on the funk side, but it's kind of that just straight metal funk, if you can imagine that. And um, but on these records, you really get to hear Robert's skill. He does whether you like slap bass or not. Um, he does some shit on there that's so fucking cool and just. His his talent is immense On these records And and, and the suicidal stuff
0: And let's go ahead And insert a small clip Of Robert being a
1: badass In an infectious group Robert being a badass Yeah
0: that the grooves are indeed infectious.
1: Um are you I infected think, by the grooves? I think uh I think some people might be might be immune to the uh the infectious grooves that they put out. Um like I said, I, I don't think it's a band for everybody. Um yeah. some people don't, you know, care for Mike Mears' voice. Um and you know, I mean, I'll straight up say that like it's not it, it's not a band that I I revisit often, but when I do, I think it's more a nostalgia thing that like, oh man, yeah, I do. I remember liking that record when I was young and I'll listen to it. Um, But there's a lot of cool stuff on there, you know, I mean, everyone check it out for yourself, you know, come up with your own opinion, see if you like it. And if not, just write to us and tell us what shitheads we are for recommending it.
0: Probably his most impressive uh, credentials pre Metallica for me currently, because I'm going, I'm going through a really massive Sabbath thing right now. Yeah. uh, Is that he played with Ozzy from 96 to 2003.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good long haul. I mean, I mean at, at this point, you know, he's he's had a good long career with suicidal infectious grooves as a side project. I mean, there there's there's no down years like from eighty nine to present day. There's no down years for Robert as far yeah, as being he's, busy.
0: He, he's a busy cat because he he had another side project that I he what's this project that I wrote about? he, uh, he, had, a, he had another experimental group called Mass Mental.
1: Yeah, it was like a it was like a raga metal something. Yeah. I, I and they, actually haven't heard it.
0: They only really well, they only released one record exclusively in Japan.
1: Oh, okay, Ooh, <laughs> so indie. So let's
0: go to Tokyo just to hear the record. Uh, yeah, I I'd like rather go. To, that, I'd rather go
1: to fucking Hawaii.
0: Uh, let's go to fucking Hawaii with Bob Rock. <laughs> I do like the idea of him being like this kid in these cover bands and like his. His big thing in the rock side of things then was Sabbath and Ozzy, and I like yeah. the idea of him. All these years later, what an accomplishment to be on stage playing Geezer Butler's parts, being, you know, being part of the Ozzy crew for seven years.
1: Well, and, and, I mean, and he and he played on on Ozzy records too. Wow! And, and how cool is it for a guy like Rob Trujillo? Like twice in his life, he's gotten hired to play with bands he loves. Right like he grew up playing Aussie stuff and I I mean I don't think he I think I for sure he was a Metallica fan obviously he, he he talks about about it a little bit in the documentary but I mean you see him freaking out in that documentary when he gets hired he's like jumping on the bed going crazy and stuff like he's he's a little kid and just like holy shit and you know so to get to do that once in your life is incredible to do it twice is I mean that's amazing like well, getting to cr- play with your heroes twice
0: and I think that Aussie credential might even be one of the biggest reasons he did get hired because they've talked a lot about. Even um, Jason has talked about uh, when when he you know before they had really picked someone and when he was on his way out talking about what kind of guy they would get to replace him, biggest band in the world. And a big part, of, big part of the uh, deal was like someone who has toured before and a high has been in a high profile gig, who knows how to do this job, who has yeah, like, experience. Like being able to play wasn't even really at the top of the list because, of course, whoever right. they got had to have been able to play. Right. But a dude that was kind of their age had their similar influences with the Rush, Sabbath, Ozzy, Zeppelin, Judas Priest. And then, but also knew how to fucking travel. It's just crazy yeah, how travel,
1: cool that traveled. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, his credentials were, I mean, I'm sure if the, if there was. Another guy or two they were really heavily considering outside of Robert. Like I would imagine that what you just basically went through would be like the icing on the cake. Like yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's why they did have you know that's why the dudes who did audition were the corrosion of conformity guy Dave Ellison. Which how weird would it have been if fucking Dave Ellison had gotten that? Wait,
1: Ellison did didn't he, Dave Ellison
0: audition? Uh,
1: I thought I thought he got asked to audition originally after Cliff.
0: I think he's in the documentary auditioning. What you know? What no, I mean?
1: he's definitely not in the documentary audition. Are well, you sure? Well, let's see. This would have been. I don't think he's in the documentary. But if he did, this would have been around the era that he wasn't in Megadeth.
0: That's what I'm talking about, homie.
1: So, but I don't think he was. Okay, I got to watch it tonight before I go to bed.
0: Oh wait, I would be honored if Metallica asked me to join. I never got a call to go audition. Why am I thinking of that? Uh
1: huh. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. Well, um, this
0: is this is the this is the real nitty gritty of doing a podcast, folks. You can't well, know this, every fact forever.
1: Well, this is embarrassing. Maybe I should fire you according to our Facebook friend.
0: Hey man, I'm I've turned my attitude around. Don't don't get me riled up again.
1: <laughs> this when I release this episode, it's only gonna be my portion of the audio. <laughs> yeah, you so um, okay.
0: So we have Pepper I'll, Keenan, Jordy White, Scott Reeder, Eric Avery, Danny Lohner, and Chris Wise. Yeah. All right, okay.
1: All right, look, we're not perfect, everybody. Um, um, one thing I'll point out about that era of Ozzy when Trujillo was in the band, I thought that was one of Ozzy's best lineups because it was Trujillo on bass, Zach Wild on Zach guitar, Wilde. yeah, and, and Mike Borden on drums, who's Faith Wilde. No More's drummer. That right. guy is a, who, was, who was really close with Metallica back in the early days and really good friends with Cliff. And what a cool lineup that was. And I'm sure yeah. it made Robert an even I mean, better player to play with those two dudes, too. Well, I'm pretty
0: sure, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. God damn it! Uh, didn't didn't Robert stay at Mike Borden's house when he was auditioning?
1: Uh, it was him or Jim Martin's house. I think it was okay. Jim Martin. One of the Faith, no, of the Faith,
0: no, More. Faith no, More. no More guys. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, he was Jesus. staying out with them. Strike two. Hey, Amen. Well, yeah, whatever. We're Another, fun. S- th-
0: Another side gig that he did because of probably the Aussie thing is he went on to kind of do some sub dates for Black Label Society
1: with Zach Wilde. Yeah, and also recorded on one of his records too. So this dude, um,
0: this dude, before joining the biggest band in the world, was super, super prolific and busy.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, just pulled, I just pulled a couple records like from his discography that he's done, but go look it up. There's a lot of stuff on there. I mean, he did an on the Aussie Down to Earth record. The Black Label Society, after, after doing uh, some shows with Zach, he got pulled in to do a record called 1919 Eternal. Um, so he's, I mean, he maybe didn't uh, seek it out originally after leaving jazz school, but he ended up doing a lot of studio work.
0: Well, let's talk a little, I mean, it's well documented in the documentary, but let's talk briefly about him getting into the Metallica camp. It's a pretty turbulent time for the dudes.
1: Yeah, I mean, imagine coming in there, getting hired, and then like, wait, who's that Phil guy? What's, what am I joining here?
0: Sorry, I'm I'm in a strong texting uh, thread with my band that I'm traveling with today. Oh, um,
1: okay. What are they talking about? Tell the, tell the listeners, what are they talking about? What are they talking about?
0: Man, it's just me being grumpy, dude. <laughs> Do you really want to hear it? <laughs> I, got, I came in real hot on this text thread.
1: Uh, you don't have to share it with, with the Metallica world if you don't want to, well, Clint. We, we,
0: well, we have a thing in our touring world called day sheets. And what a day sheet is, is it tells you what time you need to be at the bus or what time dinner is, what time sound check is. It's your itinerary for the day. Yeah. And because we're on the road every weekend, we get day sheets on Mondays that say, here's the day sheet for the, for the rest of the week. Bus calls okay. Thursday. Their bus calls Thursday night at midnight. Uh, we're getting into whatever town the next morning. Blah blah blah. That's what it is. Well, I did not for whatever reason get my day sheet this week, and you know our tour manager is a busy dude, and maybe he forgot to send it. Maybe he did send it, and I deleted it. I don't know. So I don't. So we're flying to Denver today, and I didn't know what time to be at the airport. I hadn't gotten a day sheet. Right. So I so I wrote to the group thread. Well, first I wrote to the tour manager, just him, and said, "Hey, man." Uh did we get a day sheet? I don't know what time to be at the airport. And then he wrote to the group thread. I guess in response to that. Hey guys, everyone needs to be at the airport at 6. So he didn't send me a day sheet. He didn't he just w- immediately went to the group, right? <laughs> okay. So I write I write to the group, "Hey, what time is our flight?" And one guy wrote, "Check the day sheet." And then another guy wrote, "Yep." And I <laughs> and I I sat on that for literally about 2 hours. For 2 hours yeah. I was like, okay and then I don't know man I was just thinking about it and I wrote I know how to look at a day sheet dickheads I've been touring my entire <laughs> adult life I didn't have a day sheet otherwise I wouldn't have asked so you guys can go fuck yourselves that's what I wrote
1: I, lo- I love that you just send that to the guys you play in a band with
0: and the, and the one dude just responded he wrote woo well that was a strong statement <laughs> <laughs>
1: God, Clint, we need to be on tour together. So, like, you send me texts like that, and I just think it's hilarious. Oh my god, it's just—it's
0: it's been a tough day. It's been a weird day.
1: Okay, well, hey, much, let's much let's make like, it better much keep... like,
0: I'm like Metallica when Robert came in to try to join that band.
1: Yeah, and right now I'm like Trujillo sitting here going like, "Hey, man, this is awesome." I'm just doing a podcast.
0: So he played. So the song they asked him, "What do you want to start with?" And he said, "Battery." And then they, they were pretty impressed, right, that he nailed it and played it with his fingers like Cliff and all that stuff, that's all, we've, we've seen it a million times, right? Right. What I did not know, and I talked about this, I think on the, I talked about on a previous episode, and especially to your point of him calling Robert that guy, is that he stayed up all night the night before drinking with Lars. Yeah. And, and so he talks about <laughs> the next day, he was like super hungover. Like the, when we see him in the documentary, he's hungover from partying with Lars the night
1: before. Yeah, and is wearing one of Lars's t-shirts.
0: It makes me wonder if like Lars told him like kind of over some cocktails like hey man you pretty much got the gig if you just come in and nail it tomorrow or like don't worry we like you like i wonder i wonder it's very
1: possible man i mean like
0: i wonder if the if the actual audition was kind of just like for for you know for appearances or something
1: yeah or just maybe for the other guy's sake like hey don't tell the other guys i told you this but you're gonna get the gig just come in and nail the songs just you you know them just Shout out what songs you want. We'll, we'll, although we'll do it.
0: there although there is a lot of footage of them discussing each guy and discussing Robert, like as if they're still yeah. trying to make up their minds. So I don't know. Who knows? Another good question for the old James Hetfield when we finally have him on the show.
1: Yeah, exactly. Are you listening, James? We we want to clear this shit up.
0: What do you um, think is th- going through Robert's head? He gets the gig, right? But he gets the gig at arguably the lowest point creatively for the band. That had to have because Obviously, he did not have the benefit of seeing the future and didn't know that all these years later everything would be really thriving in the Metallica world. He comes right. in on the Saint Anger
1: tour. He comes the, in while they're making the record,
0: <laughs> and the and the band's all fucked up, and yeah, they're making this fucked up documentary. Like,
1: I uh, mean, I will say, like on the plus side of, of that timeline, I mean, he he does come in like post James going to rehab. Right, you know, so maybe, maybe even though they were st- they were still like you know on the not on the brink of breaking up, but there there there's a ton of you know, everyone's on edge. You know, the therapist is still there, but at the same time, there is this little glimmer of hope that Hetfield is on the up and up. You know, um, well, he looks. I mean, yeah, he looks good and
0: clear, right, when he gets back, right.
1: But he right. also, but he's
0: but there's also a a raw nerve vibe where he's just raw, right, because he's completely changed his life. And yeah. he and the thing he used to numb himself for thirty years or twenty five years he no longer has so he's there is an uptightness to James post rehab in the documentary for sure at, at for least sure. that I perceive so he's kind of Robert's having to walk that tightrope also.
1: I mean, I'd imagine like the you know the, the first bit of time in the band, he probably just kind of kept his head down and just went with the you know roll with the punches, right? You know, tell me where to be, uh, you know, send me a he, day he, sheet, I'll read it. He was reading from the the Kirk Hammett school of how to be a Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Kirk's like, hey man, um, let me tell you how to how to kind of ease into this. <laughs> just don't I'm ever s- don't ever I'm do still or doing say it. anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, might want to get a wah pedal for your bass. <laughs> <laughs> what he de-
0: what he does have to de- what does he use that like Q-Chon thing for uh, bells he uses bells like a, an- yeah it's an auto wall an- or something right
1: yeah he uh, he does anesthesia with a wah pedal as well uh,
0: um but obviously one thing that's
1: interesting is that yeah oh, sorry I started to cut you off one thing that was interesting is that uh raw in an interview was talking about that day he auditioned and uh, how nervous he was and like he was basically brain dead and we talked about him being hungover. But it's interesting that he says, you know, um, during the audition on Communicating with Hetfield, he would come over to ask me questions and I would come up with something really, some really stupid answers because literally I was not all there. So it, it kind of also shows the true talent of that guy and what a monster bass player is, that he was hungover, pretty out of it, and was like, uh, sure. And he's in Lars's t-shirt and he's like, let's play this song. And he still fucking nails
0: it. And you've got like the newly sober front man being like, asking like, whatever he was saying, like, hey, like, Maybe they were talking about gear or tone, and <laughs>
1: Robert's like, uh, I'm still drunk, dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can probably smell it come out of my pores right now, but... <laughs> Tell
0: you what, let's just play battery. <laughs> let's just not talk, and let's just play songs.
1: Could you imagine if they were, like, all on board, like, yeah, this is this is the guy, but Hetfield was like, dude, he reeked of alcohol, I don't want him in the band.
0: Ooh. And that was
1: the only thing, like, like he was pissed at Lars. Why, you got him drunk last night? Fuck that, like, we're not hiring that guy. Right. Well, that would but, be a bummer. But,
0: but. but then you, you could really rely on his decades of professional experience where they're like, this guy wouldn't have been with Ozzy for seven years if he was a wreck on the
1: road, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true.
0: Um, So luckily for everyone, the, the St. Anger tour was actually pretty successful. Um, yeah. And uh, that was like, the record's done. All right, he didn't make the record Bob Rock Play the Bass. It's kind of a weird record. But the record did win a Grammy. It did go to number one. And they embarked on the "Madly in
1: Anger with the World" tour, which I mean, was a yeah, big success. I mean, success. it went platinum too. It it's right. sold over a million records. I mean, it, it was a successful record. All, all, all opinions aside.
0: So then, you know what? It's actually kind of a cool time to be in the band because they, you know, as we all know, they take time between records. They tour a lot and they take breaks. So those first five years before they wanted to start writing and recording again, he all he really had to do was just kick ass live and maybe kick yeah. ass in, in interviews. They did do that MTV Icon. That was like his first thing, which is pretty. That was weird. his first
1: thing It is super weird. That like he's up there. That's his introduction to the band, like to, uh, to the public. Is you know he's this all of a sudden this icon status. I mean, I'm, you you know he was backstage. Like, why am I being? Yeah. On the, why am I put be, being put on this you know Megatron for the crowd to see and walking out in the crowd and sitting down being honored with you guys like I, I literally I, have not played a show yet.
0: I remember watching it when it di- when it aired like watching it live or whatever. Oh, me like, too. Yeah. And I remember when they got to him, it was I felt really awkward. I felt because I was such a Jason dude too. I didn't think totally. like I didn't think fuck this guy or anything. It was no no bad vibes, but I do remember thinking like this is cringy, awkward.
1: And imagine, imagine how much more awkward he felt, just like walking past all these hardcore Metallica fans. Like I just replaced one of the the coolest bass players, dudes. I know. And I'm here as an icon now. Yeah, I had to have been uncomfortable for him. But I mean, he man, he's he's been doing this a long time. He's, he 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 didn't seem too uncomfortable.
0: I think he's cool, and and I think you can see it in the documentary. Obviously, with the one million dollar advance, they they really went out of their way to say we want to do it differently this time we you know we've learned from the jason thing i'm sure that there was a lot of talk in the camp behind in in tuning rooms and green rooms and then private jets where they probably went the extra mile to
1: make him feel comfortable and like he for was sure. a part part of the team for sure yeah and you know with the whole million dollar advance thing like you know I, I hope no one is listening thinking like oh he's just like throwing money out the window and making it rain and shit it's like those guys obviously have a shitload of money they, 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 they well deserved. they worked their ass off for years but the the point of that of Lars offering that is like look you're about to drop everything in your life like I would say besides his family you know because those guys are very family oriented now but like we want to make sure you're focused you're not doing any other side work or anything you you don't have to worry about bills yeah, and you know anything how we, like you know that.
0: how we, he's like you know how we feel about side projects right <laughs>
1: yeah. have you heard about we know you like your side projects but uh, not a metallica <laughs> exactly um but i mean I, I do love the 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 genuine reaction he has like i mean i don't know if i would have been able to hold it together so much as he did when they offered him that much money as an advance just just to commit and stay focused and learn the shit and all that i, I would have like thrown that table over and been running around that studio but yeah, he, well you, and it's he and it's hard to cool. tell
0: it's hard to tell too because they had cameras on him and I don't care who you are; you behave differently when cameras are on you. The story sure. about the story about Jason getting the gig that I always loved is that he did a backflip off the table they were sitting at. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gosh, I've always,
0: I've always loved that. So, so they're on tour. He's learning the gig. I saw an interview with him uh, a few days ago where he mentioned that the first. He said the first two years were kind of tough for him because he he for two reasons. He said a, it was the same anger material, which is like the only. Semi-negative thing I've ever heard him say about that. Right. Yeah. He's too and, nice. And and then he was saying like he he was having to play catch up on you know two decades worth of material. Yeah, for sure. But you know, I mean, another, I'm sure a
1: lot of that he knew already just going into it.
0: Well, another really cool thing about Robert that I think he brings to the table that maybe Jason didn't is a lot of the reason they've started playing some of the older stuff is because of Robert.
1: Because he can physically do it.
0: Well, a he can do it, but I think he was in their ears saying we should. We should play Orion. We should play Dyer's Eve. We yeah. should play Anesthesia. Like I think he's the dude saying, Man, you guys haven't played Fre Fray- and of Sanity in a while. And
1: we should Or maybe I mean like like Newstead could probably pull, you know, he could pull off technically the notes of Anesthesia. But I mean Robert will play it where it's very reminiscent of Cliff's style. Yeah. And, as a as an homage to him and stuff, like they've been doing on the on the hardwired tour, you know. Um yeah, I mean, I think, th- I think the guys definitely are taking advantage of his abilities over Jason's as a, an actual musician.
0: You want to talk about a difference between Robert and Jason? Jason's in the band for however many years, 117,000 years. Yeah, at least. Three, three co-writes, and we know that Jason is a songwriter because of his days with Flotsam and Jetsam. I believe he wrote in, in the Voivod stuff. Uh, Robert's first record that he played on, Death Magnetic, he is a co-write on every song.
1: That's crazy. Which I well, don't know. Well, I don't know. That, of, do you think that was it,
0: because he actually did creatively contribute to everything, or do you think that was them sort of resetting the vibe? Because maybe because every mean, member has a co-write on every
1: song. I mean, I mean, maybe with that one. I mean, coming coming out of the same Anger stuff, when they started writing it, it was it was like. Kind of just like old school garage band mentality, like it's all getting a room together. Hetfield comes in, like here's my riffs. Lars is like, yeah, we've already done this, and they all start, you know, throwing in their stuff. Because I mean, even on even on you know, Hardwired. I mean, there's you know, Kirk doesn't have co writes on every song, and neither does Robert. I think that you know, I, I don't know. I...
0: Kirk has co writes on zero songs on Hardwired.
1: Oh, that's right. It is zero songs. You're correct. <laughs>
0: and I think Robert only has the one on Mankind. Yeah.
1: So maybe it was just maybe it was just a time where they you know they were uh, coming out coming off of Saint Anger like we got to do something different you know kind of do, a bit of a throwback record whatever and let's all just kind of hack it out together and or maybe just you know Kirk and Robert just had that good ideas back then and threw them out and Hetfield and Lars were down with them.
0: It's hard to say because yeah I, I don't think people really asked them a lot of those kinds of questions. I really really would love to talk to some of these dudes and ask questions like that.
1: I know, me too, man. Yeah, or m- maybe it's as simple as, "Hey, you know what? We just decided on this record just to kind of split the writers, you know, royalties, twenty five percent each, kind of thing. Who knows?"
0: Yeah, I-, I think it's cool that they did that. I think that kind of thing can be good for for bands for morale. Yeah, you know, Radiohead's always done that. Like, you know, this record written and performed by Radiohead, and they, they right, share exactly. all the publishing. And so, if anything's going to come between a band like that, it's not going to be the publishing side of things. Yeah, exactly. But I also understand the argument of, like, well, we wrote it. You didn't write it. So, like, I understand both
1: sides of it. Yeah, I do too. I do too, for sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's crazy that he joined the band and five years later is his first appearance on a on a studio album. You know, he, he was on the St. Anger Deluxe edition of a live DVD. So that is recorded technically, but a studio album, he didn't record on one until five years later. Well, or it didn't get go, released at least.
0: And let's go ahead and just say. Uh, congratulations on your first thing on Metallica being a fucking stellar brutal record. Exactly that he plays great on.
1: Yeah, and even on the on the intro, um, I remember in the if you watch any of the making of footage of, of Death Magnetic, and they're sitting there, <clears throat> and uh, he's he's tracking the intro base to that was just your life, and they're like they're like all right, this is the first time like. The world's going to hear like Rob Trujillo on a Metallica track. Like, let's make it sound rad and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, That part he plays over the heartbeat, you know, intro is so cool. And he does a great job on the record. There's a lot of cool stuff on there.
0: I can't remember if it's in the making of uh, the Death Magnetic or the Hardwired one. I've watched them both so many fucking times. Yeah. Uh, And dude, whenever I watch those, all I can do is drool over their outboard gear at HQ. They just have racks and racks of neve consoles and like i know all their their racks of 1176s and la2s i just always drool over it but anyway he's doing something it might even be on that one section i can't remember but he hits like a stab and yeah greg Greg Fiddleman's like nope it's not tight enough and robert literally like couldn't stop himself he was like what and then (laughs) then he gets back into cool rock he's like all right let's do it again but you could see him be like what that's not tight enough like, that was fine. <laughs> like, I'm good at this, motherfucker.
1: I mean, I would imagine, too, even like a couple of years later, like when they started recording Death Magnetic, he he, the, a lot of nerves probably came back out because, oh, oh, shit, I haven't done this with the band yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've true.
1: been in the band for a couple of years now, and all of a sudden now I'm finally recording on something. So maybe he got nervous again, and I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, props to Rob. He did a great job on Death Magnetic, and, you know, most, as much as I wish the mix was a little different, you know, um, you can still hear his bass tracks and it sounds, you know, he, yeah. he kills
0: it. I, I'm on the, I'm on the death magnetic train for sure. And oh, yeah. the, the two DVDs that we got from that tour, uh, world magnetic, we got the Quebec magnetic and we got the Mexico city show. Those right. are his first sort of official live DVDs with the band. And he, you know, aside from the crab walk, which I just can't get behind. Uh, yeah, he looks and plays and sounds great. Totally. And no, he's think, a badass man. He's, I,
1: he's always been in good shape. Like you can tell, he works out a lot and like you know keeps he up. He looks his, good. Yep. Yeah, keeps up. You know, keep up stamina for those long shows and run around the stage and all that stuff. And um, I think the only thing, like I mean, not the only thing, but one of the main things I think he lacks as opposed to Newstead are his backup vocals.
0: Yeah, that's that's the biggest deficiency for sure. But you know, yeah. you they're know not bad. You I know mean, it's, just, it's like, just, I like that he steps up to the plate and just tries it.
1: Oh hell yeah, he does. He's yeah, he's not afraid to. That's the thing. That's what I love about him. That dude is pretty fearless, a fearless musician. Like, if it's like, especially when we've seen the, the, like this recent tuning room footage of them doing spit out the bone, it's like instead of Hetfield singing the, all the verses, it's like they're switching off. Which I don't know if that would be my choice no, if I was I, Hetfield. I really
0: hope they don't do that.
1: Um, or maybe just for tuning room purposes, just just to kind of get get warmed up to the song. He's just doing that to cover him. I don't know. But, really, um, you
0: know, well, you know, they're just trying. They're trying it out.
1: Yeah. And but, I, I mean but that, I respect but, the band for always doing that.
0: But that vocal melody is like might even be one of my favorite moments on Hardwired.
1: I agree. I was just uh, listening to Hardwired before we we got on the phone your to do this.
0: Skin, oh, it's great. Seething thoughts destroy within. I love I that. I want to
1: hear no hey, no offense Robert, we love you. I, I we want to hear Headfield singing that stuff.
0: And I will say it's it's a it's like a um it's a paradox for me because I've really come around to Robert over the last maybe five years, maybe even longer. Yeah. And uh, as I said at the top of the episode, I'm legitimately happy in my heart that he's in Metallica. But of course. But when I think about this area, this BGVs area, it does make me think when they were auditioning, they could have had anyone in the world and I, that had to fit their criteria, right? It does seem weird that they didn't finally get a guy that could just murder
1: BGVs. Oh, uh, like actually doing like like crazy harmonies and stuff? Well, because then we'd, we'd be
0: able to hear, I mean, because even Jason, I love Jason's background vocals, but it's not like he was like a great singer. Right. He he he, he kind of sounded a little like Hetfield, but a little different enough to where his yeah. stuff, his stuff on Hero of the Day, or I love his harmonies on Bleeding Me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the Load Reload era, but the, but even his Seek and Destroy stuff, and he does a verse of Whiplash, but a dude that could really kill those harmonies.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, obviously, I think you know the bass playing side of things was the most important, and then For we're sure. like, okay, well, sure. if they can't, if he, if he can't really do BGVs, we can work on that, right? You know, um, and I think what he does is fine. I mean, I think Jason had a more powerful voice of commanding the crowd a bit to start clapping or do whatever. Um, but I mean, I've you know I've been pro Robert since he joined. I was bummed Jason left, but like having been a fan of Suicide Tendencies and the stuff he did in Aussie and stuff, I, when he joined, I was like, oh fuck yeah, the guy from Suicide Tendencies, this is awesome.
0: Yeah, you you had more education, I think. I I wasn't familiar with those bands, and and sure, uh, and around the time he joined, I I got off the ride. I got off the ride from right. two thousand three to two thousand eight. So, and then as a lot I, of people did, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm mildly ashamed to admit it, but um, I did, and even after Death Magnetic, I was more honed in on Hetfield than anyone else. Like it was yeah. really important to me that he had his voice back and that
1: me too, yeah, and that I he was
0: writing those kinds of riffs again. And so it's, yep. it's really been hardwired and this tour that I've been most excited about Robert.
1: Oh yeah, me too. Uh, especially the, you know, having seen two shows each, you know, just and watching he was him. So fucking good. Oh, he was great. His bass tone live sounds so, so good. huge. So good. As much as we, we, we've kind of, kind of knocked the, the Kirk Rob doodle thing. Because uh, it, it, we're not really fans of it, but um, when Rob hits that low E string or even that low B string, it like rumbles the stadium. It was so fucking they, good.
0: And and you you and I know this. Like you can have the nicest amp, the best bass, you can have the biggest PA in the world, but most of that really does come from your hands. He's got yes. he's got a touch that's really special. And oh yeah, I think he could probably make anything sound pretty good. Another thing For sure. I did I did want to mention. You're talking about spit out the bone. Another thing I really do like about Robert and respect and appreciate about him is if, do you do you watch these tuning room videos? Like I watch every tuning room video that Yeah, yeah, comes yeah, yeah. I'll watch them. Because I, I even more like they're just in between. I, I like seeing how they relate to each other even more than the songs. But yeah, Robert, more times than not, is the first one in there practicing. And oh, yeah. And he's the dude, they've been playing Spit Out the Bone, trying to get it in shape, I think, for Europe. And he is the dude when, because James and Lars do this like standoff in almost every tuning room. Where both of them were like, "Well, what do you want to play?" And they yeah, never want to. They, they never say anything. It's yeah. so
1: fucking frustrating.
0: But Robert <laughs> is always kind of like piping up, like, "Let's do spit out the bone." And they're like, "All right, you want to do it from the middle?" And he's like, "Let's do it from the top." You know? Yeah,
1: like, yeah. He's always encouraging that stuff, which is cool. Dude, when uh, I've told the story uh, probably a couple times, but when I saw them in Australia and we got kind of wa- got walked through the backstage area to to this room to hang, I walked past the room where like Robert's bass tech was with some stuff set up, and he was just sitting there just practicing by himself right and this is before they were in the tuning room this is when the other guys are god knows where in the arena and he's back there i just i heard his bass i looked over walked right past him he's sitting there like checking out a couple different bases and just like going to town on i was like oh my god he's just. well i
0: don't know if you remember a little film called through the never but when james is out in his hot rod and kirk's dealing with his bleeding guitar and lars is walking through the hallway it's rob in the in the room surrounded by bass cabinets crab walking it and, and
1: practicing exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> let's
0: talk about it. let's talk briefly about his son playing with corn this year
1: i know how crazy is that his son is 12 years old um his son his name is Ty um and he filled in on base for corn i'm not a huge corn fan but still they're they're a, they're a big band yeah yeah and I, and i'm sure in south america they're even bigger um but they could get any bass player to fill in for him, and they get Rob Trujillo's son. Who, by the way, if you have not watched the footage, the kid is a badass. Yeah,
0: he's so confident. It's so cool.
1: <clears throat> Very confident. He basically looks like he's like a small version of his dad. His hair is super long, and he's like headbanging and playing like a motherfucker, man. It's well, we're, so we're, good.
0: We're gonna. I mean, we're gonna be seeing more of this kid for sure. Oh, absolutely. This, this dude is going to be in bands or be in a, a band as big as his dad's, maybe. And yeah. uh, I, man. At, you know, as a dad myself, seeing the sort of daddish vibes in Metallica these days, which I know is real different than the vibe when we all got online 100 years ago. But yeah. I, it says a lot about him as a parent, I think, and as a person that his kids are these beautiful, talented... Because his daughter makes art, too. Yeah. And he talks about how his son started playing drums, and he gave up drums at five, and he put a bass in his hands, taught him a C scale, and he said... He said, "I taught him a C scale, and then I taught him a blue scale." And he was like, "From then on, it was over." Now he's playing go
1: and dude, that's so cool. I mean, and it's cool. Like, I mean, having come from a family where like my dad played guitar and taught me, right. I love hearing stuff about this, especially with big fucking rock stars that are raising their kids and trying to get them cr- to be creative, to be artists of some kind, whether it, even if it's not music, like you know, painting or something, sculpting, graphic design, something that, to be creative and, and create things for the rest of their lives.
0: It's just yet another rung on the old ladder of what to like about
1: Robert Trujillo. I know there's not, there's not a lot of things to dislike about him. No,
0: I'm just going to put two things on the list, crab walk and the BGVs. That's it.
1: Yeah. I think that's it for me too. Uh,
0: do, have you seen that Jocko documentary? So he produced this Jocko documentary in 2012, which yeah. again, just like him playing with Ozzy, how cool is it that his, his childhood hero that later in life he would be in a position to know Jocko's family, to like know his estate, and to be able to put together a, a pretty uh, a pretty critically acclaimed documentary about this dude. Yeah, yeah,
1: I actually haven't seen it yet. Um, I've been meaning to watch it on Netflix. Now that I'm back on the road, I'm, uh, it's it's definitely on my list of things to watch on uh, on days off.
0: I haven't seen it yet either because I'm just not a I'm not really into that fusion
1: shit. I know, but I'll, I will say that like I'm, I'm, I watch a, I've watched a lot of documentaries where I'm not necessarily a fan of the subject matter, but if it's well done, I'm in. I'll get on that train. Yep, I agree. You know, it's kind of like when behind the music was still a thing. Like there was artists that would do behind the music episodes on. and I'm like, I don't care for Paul Anka or whoever, and I, but I'd watch it because they oh, were well done dude. and it kept and it kept me interested.
0: Do you know how many times I watched the fucking Leaf Garrett one?
1: Oh, the Leaf Garrett one's great. It's so think, good. It's so intriguing because the dude was a wreck for so long.
0: Well, and didn't he like kill a? Didn't he like run over some, someone? And he was drug Something. addled. And uh, I mean, I was obsessed with behind the music. There was another good show on VH1 at that time. It, it was a little more under the radar called Legends. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I totally do.
0: It would be like Led Zeppelin, but Eric Clapton would narrate it and shit. Like just such yep. good, such good programming. I mean, that was part of. Pro- I would venture this about you, but dude, that was part of my rock and roll education. Were those shows?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, there was also one that came out a little bit later called, you know, when when insert band name here ruled, ruled the, world. the world. Yeah, it was a lot. It was fairly similar to to behind the music, but um, behind the music was probably my favorite show on VH1. in the yeah, uh, You know, late nineties, early two thousands. Even when I would go back home to visit and stay with my folks, I, I would go out hang with friends i drive home get del taco to go and go up into my parents bonus room and watch that till like two in the morning because it was always on late at night and they would always show the metal ones late at night too
0: i was on on the road in la a few months ago it was the night i actually got to go see iron maiden in la by the way um and i'd been eating well and but i'd had a few iron maiden beers at the iron maiden show
1: oh did you have the trooper beer
0: i did i had i had three of them it's good I thought it was really good and they almost didn't let me keep the, they they didn't let the dude I was with keep a can. But anyway, so I was a little, I was a little saucy and we finally get back to the hotel. I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning and I was like, wow, I did really good. Like I didn't eat any bullshit last night. Like, but I'm not, I didn't wake up hungry. I'm like, what's going on? And then it dawned on me slowly. Oh wait, I had the runner take me to Del Taco (laughs) and I ate
1: three, huge burritos right before getting into bed <laughs> of course he did did you like sit up and see see the wrappers on the floor kind of thing
0: <laughs> yeah exactly like there was like i'm like getting my jeans on and there's like hot sauce all over him i was like what is it i was like oh my god it just do- the slow terrible dawning
1: oh i, I ate- am a shitty person
0: <laughs> I, am a sh- I ate three thousand calories before just laying down for eight hours
1: yeah that's that's always Ugh. a good that's always a good thing to do <laughs> god oh man well, dude, Rob Trujillo, yeah, we're we fans. He's I'm been in the band fan. longer than Jason now, which is crazy.
0: He is now the longest standing uh, Metallica bass player.
1: Yep. Isn't and that I insane? I,
0: and I don't think he's going anywhere, man. I think, I think these are our four dudes. I think we're going to ride into the dawn with these four yep. dudes.
1: I think so. Um, man, so th- this will be a surprise to you. But before we conclude this episode, I've got a true or false for you.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah,
1: you sur- you surprised me with the I, Lars one. I got a Robert one for you. I, I got well, I had six, but then you you brought up Robert knowing the band before getting hired, and that was going to be one of my trivia questions. So I just deleted uh, that one. So well, I've got I don't know. five. I don't
0: know. Don't delete it. I think that means I get a point.
1: Well, point, I guess one so. One point for okay. me. Okay. I knew okay.
0: Okay. I knew the trivia.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You, what did you, get, you, get, you on, get?
0: What did you get on the Lars one? You got a four out of six, right?
1: I got a four out of six. All right. Let's, okay. see, let's see if I can beat it. All right, number one, infectious grooves appeared in the movie Encino Man. True. Did that you know that? Or are you guessing?
0: No, it's true. I know. I know that it was Okay. Him okay. And the, uh, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, Ro- it was just two of them, right? Robert and the singer.
1: Uh, well, it was the whole band, but you kind of oh, see Robert okay. and Mike Muir. It's a, it's a, it's in the prom scene.
0: Well, Robert did like some acting. You know, he was in. He's been in like four or five kind of small roles in movies. But yeah, I didn't. Yeah, totally. Encino Man. I can't believe we didn't mention that on the goddamn episode.
1: I, tr- I I was trying to steer clear from that stuff specifically okay. for this portion of the episode. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, Robert's acting career, true or false, uh, was Robert ever on an episode of Chips? Yes, true. You are correct. <laughs> I can't remember. Um,
0: what Didn't he play a guy named like Pippi or Chirpy? He had like a weird name. I think
1: it was it was, I think it was Chirpy. Chirpy. <laughs> Um, which, by the way, I need I, now that I know that information, I want to go online and find that episode and yeah, find yeah. young nineteen eighty two Robert on chips. Dude, um,
0: it's so I, it's funny thinking about Encino Man. Like that makes me want to go watch it for sure.
1: I at one point total side note here. Me and my, my old friend Aaron were obsessed with that movie. It was it wasn't a, it was bad, but it was so. Is entertaining. It
0: the, is it when they're in the bar and it's like the cheese is old and moldy? Where's the bathroom? Is that the scene with Robert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Donde está la sanitario. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No wheezie in the juice. No whizzy in the juice. Yeah, Polly Shore's height, man. Um Wow. All right, so next next trivia question for you. Okay. Um, true or false. Robert re recorded bass tracks on two of Ozzy's classic records. It's
0: true, and there was a bunch of controversy about it, right? Like, yeah, there... there was.
1: They well, did so... it for re. They did it for reissues when he was in the band. It was it was due to the original bass player on that record, like royalty stuff. They didn't want to pay him royalties on reissues. That is so fucked up, by the way. It's pretty fucked up. So they had Robert come in and do it because he was playing with Ozzy at the time. But it was on he, for the reissues of Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. On the reissues, it's Robert Trujillo playing bass. That is so. And is it just note for note? I'm I'm assume, I'm assuming so. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this: as a a musician, and you're in a band, and you get asked to do that, and but you feel ethically uh, unsure about if it's the right thing to do. Do you still do it? Um, Like what if the Clash? What if you start? Well, that's a bad example because Joe Strummer's not here anymore. (laughs) What if what if Ziggy Marley wants you to re-record some old Bob Marley jams for that reason, for publishing royalty reason?
1: Like a, you, a part of a musician that was just on the record, yeah, just to basically erase that person from from time. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I'd imagine I, my gut would say no, I wouldn't do that. Um, but I imagine Robert was in a tough position because he was also working and employed. Right. You know, he's employed by Ozzy at the time. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna have you put play on these, these records. <laughs> you know. That's a good Ozzy. That's okay. I'm still it's still, still in development. It's still in development. <laughs> um. All right, so next trivia question. I can't
0: believe I'm... I swear to God, I can't believe I'm getting these, by the way. I, I thought for sure I was going to tank this whole thing.
1: I don't know. I think you, you, seem, you seem confident. Anyways, next question. Prior to joining Metallica, did Robert Trujillo ever appear on a Metallica tribute album? Oh, wow.
0: That's such a specific question that it seems like the answer would
1: be yes, but I'm going to say false. You are incorrect. It is true. Ah, uh- Robert appeared on a compilation called "The Blackest Box: The Ultimate Metallica Tribute" in two thousand two. Only a year before he joined.
0: Weird. With what band?
1: Uh, it it it's on the track listing. Uh, it's just labeled as Rob Trujillo, but he's not singing. It's just him playing bass. And they did "Battery," which is kind of cool. That was the first song he decided to audition with.
0: Wow. Um, so he, he must it's just be not, a big
1: fan of that tune. I think so. It's not great. I mean, the track sounds good. The guy singing, it's like ah, like kind of high, like. It's a little weird. Is it like 40- Bruce
0: Bruce Dickinson vibes?
1: Ish ish. It's it's in that realm a bit. Um but it's also Dave Lombardo on drums, which is pretty cool. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um uh and then the last and final question. Um uh true or false. Robert appeared in a music video for the band Nickel Creek. Ooh.
0: Um <laughs> Nickel Creek? Nickel Creek? Is this that video? Wait, wait, wait. Is this a video where he's playing like a cello or something or like an upright bass or something?
1: Yeah, hey, true or false, man? Oh, true I'm going to say true. You're correct, it's true. Okay.
0: What's <laughs> what is it is it a cello or an upright bass he's
1: playing? It's an I, upright it's an upright bass. And uh, I've actually got a story to back this up because um, Sarah and Sean Watkins from this band are friend friends of mine, especially Sarah. Okay. So if you don't know Nickel Creek, they're basically uh, kind of a blue they're a bluegrass band, a um, uh, brother and a sister and another friend. Um, and they're total badass like all badass players but they can write amazing songs too. Right, is
0: Chris, Chris Thiele and Sean Watkins, right?
1: Yeah, Chris Chris is a badass mandolin player so much so that that, that kid when he was a kid like a, I want to say like 13, 14 years old he had instructional DVDs out for mandolin. Right, he's like a world renowned. He is, dude. yeah, very. They're all very well respected in the bluegrass community. He. I mean, he now has a man called the Punch Brothers. Um. But anyways, all that to say, um. so one time Sarah and I were hanging out this is years ago when she still lived in Nashville. And uh, it, was, it must have been around the time that Rob joined the band because I was talking about it. And she was like, um, oh, he was just in a music video for us. I was like, what? I'm like, how would you get him in the music video? She goes, oh, we just went to go shoot this video. It was an instrumental song. And we went to go shoot this video in a music store. I can't remember what city they're in. And they walked in, and Rob was in there messing around with upright basses. Hmm. So it was just totally by chance he happened to be there and, they're, and, and they said he was like about to leave or something, and they're like, "Hey, you want to be in our music video?" And he was like, "Sure." <laughs> so he it's just in it.
0: Well, so okay, oh, so he didn't actually play on the recording or anything.
1: He didn't play on the recording. He just happened to be in the music store. They were shooting a video in, and they asked him to be in it, and he said yes.
0: Wow. So are they friends? Did they like?
1: I don't. I don't know if they kept in touch or anything, uh, or if it was just kind of like, "Cool, thanks for letting me do that. It was fun," you know. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they won a Grammy for that song, uh, wow. uh, Best Instrumental. So who knows? Maybe Robert got a Grammy for being in the video or something. <laughs> but I wow. remember watching the Grammys that year and seeing – the it, they showed a video clip of that song, and there's Robert. He's sitting there just like looking like he's having a good time, like yeah, jamming yeah, yeah. with Nickel Creek. Yeah, I've seen it. But how long ago? When was that? I, I want to say uh, that was um, – God, Ooh. it had to have been shortly ago, after right? he joined the band. Yeah. yeah. It was um, like 10
0: years – more than 10, 15 years ago?
1: Yo, oh, yeah, Well, have has been in the band. What's it been thirteen years, fourteen years? Two thousand three, two thousand seventeen. That's fourteen years. About. Yeah, yeah, about, um, about. Yeah, it's a, it's a song. Uh, it's in. Oh, it was in two thousand three. So it was the year he joined the band. Okay, cool. And it's, it's a, it's an instrumental song called. This is kind of a, not a great song name. But it's an instrumental song called Smoothie Song. Oh boy, <laughs> but oh, it's, oh, win it's a, a Grammy it, for that. It, it is a cool instrumental. Um, so look it up if you haven't seen it on YouTube or whatever, Vimeo, and, and you can see old Robert playing with Nickel Creek. So, I got, so Clint, five, I got
0: a five out of six.
1: Five out of six. You did, you did better than I did, but uh, but congratulations.
0: Well, we've got, we only have one more member of Metallica to talk about, and that's uh one Mr. Jimmy James Esquire Hetfield Sr. Old Jimmy, old Jimmy Jam Het. Old Jimmy Jam Het.
1: Jimmy Jam Papa Het.
0: We got the Saint Anger episode coming. We got some kind of monster coming up. We've got, we got some
1: good stuff coming.
0: We we've got our Michael Wagner episode. We're going to have Tom Quay on. Uh, we're going to have. We're, we're ready to start opening up the phone calls. That's going to happen soon. We got reload. Yeah, and we still haven't done behind the music or cunning stunts or live bench of Cliff them all. Cliff them all. We've got. Yeah, we got them. a
1: lot of stuff coming up, guys.
0: So to all of you who are on the ride with us. Again, a sincerest thank you to you all. We really appreciate it. You can send us an email to metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. If you want to engage with us, we read them on the show. And even if they don't make it to the show, we usually respond and read them and whatnot. The Patreon thing is very cool and very important. You know where to go. Patreon.com slash metalupyourpodcast. And then also, you can leave us a review on iTunes if you want to. If not, don't even worry about it.
1: And you can leave it for us out of the kindness of your heart because you're not getting anything for this one.
0: The pit contest
1: is over. As well as this episode. Uh, Peace. Uh, Adios. (laughs) (laughs) If you were
0: our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.